Welcome to this week's CTO Studio. We get some major, major data science downloads from Christopher Keon. Runs a local uh, machine learning data science meetup here in San Diego. We get really meta on what data science could mean for us. So you want to listen to this because you want to data science. Com. I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. see, see. It, it looks something like this. Welcome to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Etienne de Bruin. The CTO Studio is where we chat with CTOs building amazing products with incredible teams. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Chris, Robert, Alex, welcome to the CTO studio. Thank you. It's Thanks. great to be here. Yeah. Do you, you can you tell that it's a CTO studio? Looks uh, like one. Yeah. <laughs> We're missing some uh, like technical diagrams on the walls and the whiteboards, but I love the whiteboards. Thank you. I yes. don't think you have enough whiteboards we in here. We don't have enough yeah, whiteboards. Enough whiteboards. Quite <laughs> enough, but otherwise. And then we also don't have Miss Pac-Man. Right. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. We need and Galaga. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't have everything. You can't have everything. No. So, but, but we do have the 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 uh, leader of seven CTOs here with us. And yes, yes, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. Thank you, Alex. Okay, so um, Chris, welcome to the CTO studio. You're heading up a machine learning data science groups in San Diego. We'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Robert's the CTO of Byproxy. You'll tell us about that. Alex is the chief architect at Intuit. And you don't have to tell us anything about that. <laughs> so, Chris, you're, tell us about machine learning and data science, and, and what are you doing in your groups to, to help that happen? Yeah, so, uh, so I started San Diego Machine Learning Group about a year ago. Um, so I was coming out of grad school here, and I decided I didn't want to personally um, go into a career in data science, but I did still want to be involved in it. And I know a lot of things are going on in terms of a business aspect here in San Diego. They're really trying to grow the industry. And this was one way that I thought I could really sort of bring people in from the community into an environment where we can work on data science together. And for people who are newer to the area and just don't have the background, they can get some experience practicing from people who know more. And then for the people who are more advanced, they can really work together and, and hone their skills. To, I, lo to I love that because um, just like the buzzword central, it's kind of demystifying what that specific discipline really is for the common person, right? The common computer scientist slash entrepreneur, right? Right, right. So, so what is data science? Good question. <laughs> There's a lot of answers to that, right? Yeah. And for me, from, a, from sort of the, the data scientist perspective, data science is really getting insight into your data, right? So what is your data telling you? What story do I have that I can take out of my data? And so in, in the context of business or something, that story, what story you're pursuing is really driven by your business questions, your business objectives. Mm -hmm. If it's how you can understand your customer better, understand their behavior better, or increase profits, um, for example, those are all things that data science can really, can really do to put together a story so that way you can change your actions accordingly. I do feel like as a CTO, I'm not doing enough around data. I feel like it's a... It's a paradigm shift I have to go through to always be asking myself, oh wait, you know, it's not about the business logic or the feature or the audience. It's about all this data that I could be asking for or could be mining to leverage whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah, and all the things you don't even know that you're, that you're not even thinking about yet. So we were having a conversation in the hall already and just thinking about, you know, I need to hire a data scientist. So I have somebody who's looking at this and figuring out new insights for our stuff that we haven't considered yet. I mean, sometimes you don't even know the question that you need to ask. So what does BuyProxy do? Uh, so BuyProxy is a end-to-end -end <clears throat> transaction platform for commercial real estate. So we uh, provide tools for the middle market real estate broker, commercial real estate broker, which is like 75 to 80% of the market. Mm -hmm. um, we basically just help them run a you know professional transaction online like you would from a, a broker at someone like CBRE, one of the big firms. Um, and in about a month, we'll be releasing basically Zillow-esque data for uh, 32 million commercial real estate assets in the United States. So the only company that has that data, and we'll be putting it out there, basically. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Wow, that's exciting. Now, does Intuit have any data? 
we have a little bit of data, <laughs> a little bit of data around, I don't know, accounting, taxes, personal finances, yeah, a little I, bit. I still don't know if, if you guys are tackling the right problems. It, it feels... You think we're going to make it as a company? I, I don't know. The jury's product market out. fit, yeah. you know? Yeah, jury's still out. I, I, I'm just saying don't be too confident is what I'm asking. Okay, just, just that's good be, feedback. Just be humble and just... That's good feedback. That's good <laughs> feedback. So, Chris, I'm really intrigued by this... Um, the, the machine learning group that you put together. And I'm, I'm curious what the attendees look like. And I asked that question in the context of, you know, I'll talk to younger engineers uh, at Intuit and I'll tell them, you know, 20 years ago when I started at Intuit, mm -hmm. there were make file engineers. Like the only job was working on make files. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And so now we talk about full stack engineer and full stack engineers about front end, back end, DevOps, uh, owning your own quality. But more and more what we're seeing is that full stack is starting to include data and data science as well. And it doesn't mean we don't hire data scientists, but the, the role of the engineer is really transforming in the age where data science is becoming more and more real. So I'm, A, curious to see what, hear what your thoughts are on that. And then second, you know, what kind of people actually attend your group? Yeah, so uh, in terms of the pipeline, I feel like uh, there, there are so many aspects to the data science pipeline from start to finish. Some of them are more engineering sort of questions, and that's where a lot of your traditional computer scientists come in. They like those sort of black and white problems and stuff. They're munging data. They have some pipeline. They need to get data from point A to point B. But then the, the part that's really novel is the real insight into the data and just sort of this exploratory process which is, is, like I said, the novel part, and that's where these data scientists are popping up. Um, and it's also the popular part right now too, right? That's the sexy area to be in. And so a lot of people kind of from the outside that maybe are in that data engineering pipeline are kind of like, oh, I want to get my, my hands in this other part of the pipeline. Um, and so we get a lot of people who are probably in their 30s who had um, you know, advanced degrees um, from undergrad, but the career just didn't exist when they came out. And so they're really sort of looking to equip themselves with those additional nuggets that are needed to really go into this career and, and understand it well and to, to make good use of the data. So it's really something that they learn from practice. So we basically practice on a bunch of different data sets and see how well we can uh, make predictions about those data sets. And through that experience, it's, it's really something that you can only learn through experience. It's not something that uh, is something that you can just read in a textbook. You really have to do it over and over because every situation is different. And so by going through that every week and stuff, we really kind of develop those skills. What are some of the data sets you've been looking at um, and experimenting with so far? Yeah, so the, the primary platform that we use for data exploration stuff is called Kaggle. Um, so Kaggle is uh, a company that was created sort of independent of Google, but I think Google purchased them not too long ago. And so they set up these contests. And so, for example, the contest that we're focused on now is you're trying to determine whether a, a comment, um, I think it's on Quora or some other site, is toxic or not. And if so, is it is it racist? Is it sexist? What kind of toxicness is it? And so um, there's, there's a lot of aspects to that. First, how do you turn a, a comment into numbers? Because you can't really do yeah. math on words. And so, so that's the first step. And then how do you base, once you have those turned into numbers, then how can you actually um, make some sort of prediction as to whether it's toxic or not? Know that you're, you're making a good prediction. How do you explain that um, in the end, right? You have a model that works really well, but how do I explain that to someone? What is it picking up on? Because um, one of the challenges with these sort of black box, black box models is that um, you really uh, you really can't understand what their reasoning is. And for example, if you're an insurance company and you want to re reject or accept someone for an insurance policy, you'd like to give them an explanation as to why we rejected mm -hmm. you for the policy, right? And so really being able to interpret your models and understand that is, is another uh, important aspect. And so are these done, uh, so these Kaggles, is, is, is a Kaggle a challenge like that or is this a, a, a company? Yeah, so Kaggle is the name of the company, okay. and they have different competitions on there. And so the okay. one that we're working on now is the one that's focused on uh, classifying whether a comment is toxic or not. Before, we've worked on other ones. One, The last one was very uh, very cute, literally, because we're dealing with uh, animal pictures and trying to predict when an animal was going to get adopted. So we had photos of the animals. We had a little bit of descriptions and, and different aspects. Um, and we were trying to predict how long it would take to adopt them. And clearly, you know, the older animals had a much harder time getting adopted, and the data showed that. And so... Um, people, you know, from a business perspective, it's like, okay, how can I make my animals more attractive to people coming in and get them to be adopted or something? So there's well, a lot thing, of insight. One thing you can do there is you can put up a photo of a young puppy 
But when it's actually a catfish, we're doing catfishing with uh, adoption there. Is that what's going on? Come in, you're like, wait, this is like 10 years old. I I can't get this dog. (laughs) Too funny. I love it. That's cool. So are these done every week? Uh, Yeah, every week we meet for four hours. That's a commitment, man. Yeah, it's quite a commitment. Do you have snacks? Uh, Yeah, we usually bring in some some snacks, order some tacos. Is it after hours? Uh, it's from twelve to four on Saturdays. So oh my goodness! Spend weekends. our weekends doing it. Oh, so I want to I want to ask again what Alex asked. Like, who is showing up to these things? Is it is it entrepreneurs? We've had some entrepreneurs, some people. So so my real motivation because I'm very entrepreneurial focused. I wanted to get data science to data scientists together, sharing ideas and exchanging information. So that way, hopefully, this would help sort of spawn some business ideas and startups in San Diego. That was my real motivation. We get a lot of people showing up that are in maybe more of an engineering job. They study computer science and they're looking to shift more into data science. Mm. They see Mm. that opportunity growing in their company, Mm. right? These positions that didn't exist before are now there and they would like to move in Mm. that direction. Um, So those are a lot of people that we get. Some people are kind of what I would consider like the hacker types where they just really enjoy playing with data Mm. and they do that on the side for fun. Um, so Have you had any just like complete novices, people coming from outside of tech as a whole who just are fascinated by this and, and want to get involved? Yeah, definitely. Say not too many people. Everyone that comes is pretty much interested in getting their, their fingers wet in the data. Mm-hmm. Not too many people from just sort of the business side of things that are okay. just wanting to learn about it. We haven't had too much of that because I think uh, I mean you can imagine it's not the most exciting party and stuff that we have every weekend where a lot of us are sitting there on our laptops kind of geeking out on the on the data and stuff and so if you're not doing that then it's kind of boring yeah. for you uh, so. you're doing you're doing it with Shane up in the sandbox right yeah yeah they let, oh, they let okay. us use that space so, and yeah. and uh, is it have I heard correctly that San Diego is trying to position itself as sort of a data science startup ecosystem or did that I have that? heard rumors of that there are some people talking about it for sure if they talk about it enough, maybe it'll happen. Right. Or maybe they'll talk to Chris and yeah. he'll and get people really together happen. to yeah. create the exactly. ecosystem. Are you, have you seen anything come out of it? Uh, I mean, it's pretty young, right? Yeah, it's still pretty young. Like I said, it's just we started it a year ago. Um, there's definitely, I'm working on my own company related to data science right now, um, sort of independent of that Just group. the one with the axes, right? Um, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so how can you more accurately throw axes? <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, but but I, I definitely know. So coming from UCSD and the cognitive science department there, that's mm-hmm. really where that data science institute that they just created mm-hmm. is at. So I was definitely involved in that. I was teaching data science there last quarter. Um, so there's a ton of students coming out with this, or, or they're just starting to come out of college with this knowledge. And so the question is, is the industry going to be there for them to stay in San Diego and and get these jobs that they're hoping for, or do they have to move to, for example, the Bay Area, like a lot of startups mm-hmm. do, to to get these jobs? And so, the, it's sort of a two pronged solution where you're trying to create the talent coming out, so the business has the talent, but then you're trying to create the business side of things as well. And so, I've definitely seen a lot of the talent come out. So, I'm still less familiar with the business side of things, but hopefully, it's it's working. I know there are a lot of people trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like a, there's a lot of people looking for that role right now. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a chicken and egg problem, right? And that um, you have to have the roles for the students to want mm-hmm. to learn it, but then you have to have the, the talent that is actually learning it in order for the roles to exist. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had a, a friend of mine send me a text over the weekend that there was a, uh, a high school senior who was accepted into UCSD for cognitive science or UC Santa Cruz for computer science and which mm-hmm. path should he go down? Like he didn't even understand what the difference was. Mm-hmm. Right, so I was explaining the difference to him and telling him about how we're going more towards data and, and really it's kind of a hybrid role between a computer scientist and a data scientist and in the end he chose the UCSD um, cognitive science. But um, <clears throat> it, one thing I'd, I'd love to, to hear you talk about is um, you know, it's great that you've got these specific examples I think when many people hear about data science, they think about uh, what they see. They think about it as like Google data science, which is the problem that Google is solving is a completely different problem than what everybody else is solving, right? They're trying to solve data science end to end Mm -hmm. as a platform. But data science is very personal. It's very local. It's very domain specific. And so you pick some very domain specific problems. I'm sure, Robert, you were talking about data science and wanting to grow there as well, that in almost any space, if you really understand the domain and realize there's human expertise in that domain, then you can use data science to actually glean insight that maybe would normally take a human many, many hours to do, a very 
educated and experienced human. So have you seen that in the meetups that you've, that you've been putting together that people are really understanding that data science is very much a local and personal thing to a, to a given domain? Yes, I definitely, I definitely think that's the case. It's uh, at this point, you know, I think Google, like you said, is trying to really automate this data science process, but we're still very much in the human must do everything. The machines aren't yeah. smart enough right now, right? So, um, yeah, I've definitely uh, seen this come up a lot. Um, have you had people that have had like a almost like a surprise reaction mm -hmm. that they th they came in and they thought data science was this big thing, and then suddenly through the examples you've provided, they realize it's a local thing and that. You can do data science almost anywhere. You could do data science in terms of having pets be adopted or, or commercial real estate uh, being sold or uh, delivering an amazing personalized tax prep experience that it basically every given domain has some role of data science. Is it like people are surprised when they show up and they learn this? Um, Say, so I think the, the people that are generally coming to the data science thing that are wanting to be data scientists are very sort of familiar with that aspect and that you can get any insight out of data. I think the disconnect often comes from more of the business side where yeah. they don't realize mm -hmm. how rich a very simple data set can be, mm -hmm. how much information you can extract, right? One of, the, one of the things that I really emphasized to my students last quarter is that, okay, so this is the question, say you have some question that you wanna answer, you're never gonna have the perfect data set. Mm -hmm. So how can you best answer that given the data that you have? Mm -hmm. And so business people have lots of questions. They'd love to get a better understanding of their customers. Given the data that you have, how can I get that information? Mm -hmm. And stuff in that, you know, all these different niche data sets, um, you can have uh, kind of information about how people are moving through your website, uh, f web logs and stuff, just to gather any information about your customers. You can get really deep insight mm -hmm. out of those things. And that's where a really talented data scientist can take something that seems disconnected and really put a story together and, and, and connect it to the, the question that the business has. And is that part of what you, you try to teach as well? Like how do you go back to your business folks and actually tell the story of what data science can do? Yeah, so that's, a, that's definitely like kind of a challenge sometimes because uh, every case is different, right? And so that's where a lot of experience comes in and people, the more they do data science, the more they see the potential and the insight. And a lot of it is just pure stubbornness and grit to try to like, okay, I, I have to make this work. How can I do this? Right. Um, so, so definitely see that quite a bit. Um, say in terms of the, 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 the communication of it back to the executive team and stuff, it can be, um, what I found in my experience is that really good data scientists don't tend to be as decisive. They tend to sort of let the data speak for itself. And so they can give sort of very open-ended narrative mm. about what the data is saying and stuff, and then business people can use that to sort of make decisions because um, the data can be very vague about things mm. as well. So Because it's not you're not really doing science where you're going off and doing hypothesis-driven things. This is very data-driven. And so um, without controlled experiments, you can't really be certain, but yeah. you can get some patterns out of it. So I'm curious, Robert, what in your business, what, where do you see, uh, so you, you said that you're looking to hire some data scientists yeah. and, and really go you know, deep in this area. So where are you looking to accelerate your business? I mean, there's all kinds of things that are interesting to us. It would be great to know, given any commercial asset that comes on the market, if we could predict when that might sell, mm -hmm. who that might sell to, what that buyer looks like, you know, what are the attributes of that based on other data. Um, for us, I think it's really looking forward, kind of predicting. Mm -hmm. um, but also then finding ways that we can uh, find insights and create revenue off of this. So, so that's like the machine learning component, yeah. right? The, yeah. the predictive analytics. Yeah. Because a big part of our product, like what we really do is help these, you know, help the smaller broker find a buyer for his asset. A lot of times, um, you know, if you're local to San Diego, right, you might have a building that's for sale. You might know, I don't know, 20 or 30 potential buyers for that. And you kind of reach out to your Rolodex. But there's buyers nationwide that you probably don't have any idea who they are, how to reach them. And so we really provide that to the broker. But if we can find better ways to narrow that in, and it's almost like lead scoring and almost give them just like the perfect person. Hey, we know a guy down in Florida who's going to buy this building and we can almost guarantee that this is who wants it. And we have predictive analysis to say why. That's kind of holy grail for us. So is there a, uh, can, can you give us a bit of a rundown on the tooling or the tool sets? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Like what, what, what at, at the, the weekly thing with, with Kaggle, um, maybe if you speak to a CTO type who hasn't considered any of this yet, like mm -hmm. what are some of, what's some of the tooling that even if, you know, that, that you guys are using that we could potentially find valuable for our ventures? Yeah. 
Um, so most data scientists, unless you're maybe in an industry setting where you have a larger budget to buy sophisticated tools, most data scientists really work with just uh, Python, the programming language, right? There's there's not much more than you need than a few Python libraries. So that's I one was of the convinced great things about you it. were going to say Google spreadsheets. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, so Pandas, Pandas data frames are our Google spreadsheets. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think the tools are all really accessible and stuff. And, and for the for the business person, it's just really about here's the data set that we have. Here's some general business questions that we have. What can you figure out, right? Just being very open-ended and letting them explore um, is, is a good way. And then the tools they already have at their fingertips. So, um it's all about you know communicating visualizations and putting everything back together in a presentation, which doesn't require any sophisticated tools. So, so uh, and then uh, have you have any of you worked with TensorFlow? And yeah, I was going to ask about that, like TensorFlow, Spark, you know, Hadoop, all these those kind of things. I mean, is that involved really in in pieces that you look at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we basically uh, still write all the code in Python. They're just kind of Python libraries and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the things that people who are a little more excited about it are uh, have GPUs, uh, graphical uh, computing units, mm -hmm. um, on their car or on their computers and stuff. So that way you can get more sophisticated computing power. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're just running it on your laptop, some of the more sophisticated models you can't really run in a timely manner. Um, so, so that's a hardware component uh, that's there. But otherwise. The beauty of you know things like TensorFlow and, and Keras is another library for machine learning is that they're all open and available, and this is really democratized things. And um, I went to uh, it, it almost makes it too easy to do data science because I went to a, I went to a competition one time. It was a hackathon with about two hundred people, and uh, the the goal was to uh, determine what digit was in, was in an image. And there were people that were getting it one hundred percent correctly, and they put them on stage and say, "Well, how is it working?" And they're like. I don't know. <laughs> so it's so data the library and there yeah, it is. exactly exactly. So so data science has gotten to the point where these tools that have democratized it have also sort of abstracted away the details, and so it's enough to you know people that don't really know too much about what's going on in the back end of things mm. can can really be dangerous. Data like, science script kitties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey Etienne, just real quick to uh, on that question that you asked. You know, I think that for any of the CTOs out there that are asking themselves the question am I a data company? The answer is, if you collect a single piece of data from your customer, you're a data company. Yeah. And if you're not thinking about labeling your data and organizing your data on day one, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And that if you ever want to get to the point, and you do, <laughs> where you want to do data science on your data, it's never too early to organize your data. It's never too early to label your data. And you won't know what insights you can actually glean until you have well-labeled, well-documented, organized data available to data scientists, and then you'll, you'll derive amazing insights out of that. And you could build mm -hmm. entire businesses, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, just think about the fact that all these, the, there's three major companies out there that have built an entire company on a credit score, mm -hmm. on a yeah. number, right? These are, these are multi-billion dollar companies on a single number. And so that, they've been able to innovate in that space largely because the data has been disorganized. They were able to organize the data and generate the score. Yeah. So if you want to own that problem yourself for the business that you're in, it's never too early to think about clean data, well-labeled data. Doesn't that drive, so specifically in your case, uh, doesn't it drive you dotty that what are you not seeing that you don't know that you're not seeing in, in, in this mountains of data that you have? Uh, is that where you hire the data scientist and say, I'll see you in a couple of months? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I look at it as it's just amazing opportunity. It's amazing opportunity. And the way that we think about it is that um, if, you're, if you're affluent, you hire a personal financial planner, a human being, and they have 20, 30 years experience, and they will make decisions for you based on your data. What does everybody else do? Mm. Right? The data is there. It's in the financial data. It's in your bank transactions. It's yep. in your accounting transactions. And like with QuickBooks Capital, QuickBooks Capital is a new product. We released it like about a year ago. And so we will lend money, micro loans, to small businesses with zero credit. Well, how can we do that? Well, we see their bank transactions because they import their data. We see their accounting transactions. Mm -hmm. And we have generated models that allow us to predict uh, risk better than the banks can do it. Right? And so now we're delivering loans at the time to small businesses when it's the most important for them to grow early, when they're a two, three-person mm -hmm. small business, mm -hmm. right? And so 
we just look at it as opportunity. For us, it's a matter of, of prioritization. And certainly we, we look at scale, like how do you scale? You have to make decisions about what parts of the organization do you scale? Do you hire more software engineers and build more product? Do you hire more data scientists and actually derive more insight? And they end up feeding each other, right? The more services you build and the more data you collect, the more you can actually deliver data science, the more insights you get, the better services you can build, you can build more product, and it's just like this virtuous yeah, it's cycle. It's a flywheel. Yeah, yeah, it's this flywheel effect. And so it's just amazing opportunity. And so do we wish that we could go faster? Absolutely. I mean, we we look at every single aspect of every Intuit product today and say that should be 100% automated, 100%. Uh, you should just be able to talk to it. Say, hey, how's my cash flow today? And it gives you the answer. Hey, run payroll for me, and it just runs payroll for can you. Can you ask it to whisper so that no one else can hear? <laughs> <laughs> or you can Text just say, me hey, this information, I think you right. want me yeah. to tell you. That's right. <laughs> whisper in my ear my cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what, uh, uh, you know, if you think about how we all went from our own bare metal servers to then, you know, going into the managed servers, mm -hmm. then going into the cloud. Uh, I wonder what this progression of data is because we're all collecting our own data and we're all trying to derive and answer these questions from these siloed data. Yeah. You know, with, with SSO, they're trying to break into, well, you can log in once and be available everywhere. but. Do you, what are we all just building these massive buckets in the sky of our own data and uh, at what point does that all become sort of federated or sort yeah. of like like is, are we headed there or are we all collecting the same data and trying to add value in different ways i mean what's happening i would guess there's a huge you know duplicate cross section of all this stuff huge right? i probably but, yeah I'm, but everybody's sort of unique because they you know you we might have eight data points or something that are shared with yours, but then I append all this other stuff that's completely different. So as a whole, it's a unique data set. Um, but yeah, there's got to be tons of duplication out there. It's crazy. There may be a, uh, a business opportunity. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, I, I view this because it's becoming more and more regulated, right, with uh, CCPA and GDPR in, mm -hmm. in, uh, in Europe. So it's becoming a much more regulated space. And I think what's going to happen is the same way that PCI in the, in the payment industry where Visa, MasterCard, and American Express all said, hey, listen, if you want to be a payment processor, you got to abide by all these rules. Abiding by all these rules is difficult and expensive. So what did that do? It created a business opportunity for some people to be payments platforms, mm -hmm. right? So will this create an opportunity to have data platforms, data science platforms, data uh, aggregation and, and cleansing platforms because doing it right and compliant ways that won't get you penalized by governments around the world is that a huge business opportunity it is well I mean going a bit meta on that you know do we have do we have the right to to screw up the conclusions we're making from people's data I mean <sighs> yeah I mean uh, one of the one of the things that makes the business people the most uh, uneasy as it relates to data science is is this probabilistic or is this deterministic mm -hmm. and in most cases in almost every case it's probabilistic so at what point does a probabilistic conclusion worthy of exposing it to the customer mm -hmm. right if we can predict so we predict today at over greater than 99% accuracy whether you should be an itemized filer or take the standard deduction based on like 21 pieces of information that shouldn't actually predict that right mm. through machine learning interesting and so what do we do we expose that to the customer we say we think that you should be an itemized filer but then we we make it very very clear and do you that kind of caveat that though we, like, we do we, so, we have to right it's compliance yeah. so we yeah. have to caveat it but there are many places where we'll make predictions and honestly we're still learning what is the right way to expose to our customers the fact that we're in a probabilistic world yeah. and we're used to being very deterministic about these things and it's, it's probabilistic. It's, there's, a, there's a high degree of certainty in this but it's not 100%. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a challenge and it depends on kind of the domain. For example, if you're dealing with ads and it's an ad that's not relevant, you know, yeah. we're trying to maximize the probability that someone's going to click on an ad when we show it to them. But if it's not relevant, we've learned to sort of ignore those things. Yeah. So if it's if it's something a little more personal uh, that suggests, you know, something about the, the customer, it's it's you have to mask it in a uh, or present it in a, in a very specific way. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when should I be saying as a CTO, I need a data scientist? Robert, that's what, yesterday, <laughs> like, uh, week, I'm Alex, not. I'm assuming you guys have a, a, a small army of data scientists. Yeah, we have a couple. Okay. And uh, uh, Chris is, is helping people who wanted to do that become that. So what, what am I as a CTO? When am I starting to say, okay, you know, I have 15, 20 people. We have a nice little run rate. Am I supposed to, I mean, do I have to be the person that thinks, well, this is how we can leverage our data, or is it really so far beyond common sense that you need a data scientist? One of the one of the types of people that we have come to our group a lot uh, are, are individuals who work at these smaller companies who are getting a data scientist to have a data scientist. Hmm. But almost all of these employees are not doing data science, which is one of the reasons why they come to our group, because they can actually like do data science there. They're not doing it at their job, they're doing other things, a lot of more computer science related stuff. So I feel like um, it, a lot of it has to come from the, the executive team. If you have a data set, like you said earlier, if you have data, then there's potential information in there and it may be relevant to your business model or it may be sort of tangential and something where you can use to grow your business. Mm -hmm. And giving data scientists access to that, even though you may not fully understand it, giving them access to that and letting them explore and then listening to the insights and being open-minded about that is a, is a potential room for growth and making your business better. And so I think that's the way to sort of scale up from having no data scientists to one is believing that the data can tell you something and then being open-minded uh, when, when you have a data analyst that can sort of tell you what that story is. So is a good way to go about it then to say, I don't know if this, I don't know what this matrix is telling me. Hey, lay person or data enthusiast or analyst, come and take a look and tell me what you see. Is it like shaking the bones? I mean, what, what help me? Yeah. What are you looking for, Robert? Like I said, it was for us, we, I want somebody to come in and do some of that. To say, hey, here's this playground. Here's all this data we have. Go. This you know, is how you're not leveraging it. This is right. how you like, give me some suggestions. But beyond that, it's. I mean, for us, it's it's the predictive stuff. Yeah. So we know some of the things we want to. Start so are you with. expecting that person to be able to know the tooling and run the run the deployments and run the experiments and the testing and uh, is that who this person is? Um, I guess it depends. For us, I would like someone who's got experience, who's kind of done this before, and can come in with that knowledge and like, you know, teach me too, right? Um, but I think it depends on the organization you are, and and you know, I'm sure you guys can bring in lots of people, and, and they can learn on the job. Whereas, you know, for somebody like me, as a small organization, we want somebody who's kind of been there, done that. I think. Yeah, and I think that uh, depending on how deep you go into the data, the skill sets start to diverge in terms of you get PhDs in math who, who are extremely good at data science and they're good at picking algorithms and they're good at training models and so on and so forth, but they're not software people. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to build and deploy and scale and make things highly available and all of that. And so depending on where you are in your organization, you could hire some kind of hybrid between those roles. But I think that the deeper the insight that you want, the deeper the, the um, uniqueness that you want, the more you're gonna find, I think, sp the need to find specialized mm -hmm. people to do these things. Um, but one one thing to, to kind of go back on is that uh, you know before uh, Chris talked about the 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 way that they did their um, the meetups that there was a specific goal and then they used the goal to drive teaching right and in in my experience at Intuit uh, certainly you want your data scientist to sometimes work on hey here's a big data set is there something in here but generally when you pair them pair them with a product person that has, boy, I just wish we could do this. I wish we could predict whether somebody is an itemized filer or takes a standard deduction. Because what did we notice? We noticed that if somebody went through the pain of itemizing their deductions, and at the end, they realized that the standard deduction gave them a higher one, what did they do? They got so pissed, they left. Yeah. So we said, wouldn't it be great if we could predict this? Now we can. Yeah. Right. So sometimes there's specific moments, these moments of truth, where you know what you want, and you ask the data scientist, it's, it's almost like the, the reverse of the question. I want this, what data is required for you to generate this insight for me, as opposed to I have this yeah. data, what insights can you yeah. generate which for is, me? Which is what you meant with like, what are the questions, right? The, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, to help the data scientists because, you, you know, they're not often business-minded people, right? So yeah. to help them understand mm. the business questions so that way it gives them some sort of guidance. Mm. And, and um, to also say, like, this is the question that I have. How can I answer this with the data that I have instead of what data set do you need? Mm. I think can even be more of a, a, a better way of doing that because if you have to go off and collect a completely independent data set, then that's that's almost like a separate business or something, right? Yeah. So there's it's better given all the data that you have. How can I sort of grow in that direction? Because you already have that information. Because as you guys know, it takes a long time to collect data mm-hmm. and um, curate it and everything. So it becomes almost a sort of another side. It's almost like uh, we would like to make more money. <laughs> how can we do that? Yes. I mean, that's a fair question. I, I think it has to be a little more specific. Than <laughs> that. Yeah. Just a little bit. I think the other part that I struggle with with this age of the data scientist is you don't call software people computer scientists. That's we true. need four computer scientists. No, we need four full-stack engineers. Right. And we'd love for them to have done computer science in some cases, yeah. other cases not. Is there, isn't there a more uh, accessible term for, for the data scientist that doesn't feel like I'm talking to Gandalf? I think data science term right now is very sexy and people like carrying that term around. Oh. So I think it's a buzzword. Maybe some, yeah. sometime down the line that will change. And Maybe I'll, I'll call myself a computer scientist. Uh, you should. Why not? There's no downside. <laughs> I'll start introducing you that way. For That's now right. On, Meet my computer, computer scientist. My computer scientist, right. yeah. It's interesting, too, because uh, you get kids who are go to school for computer science, and they get a job as a software engineer. And then you get students who get a degree in math, and then an advanced degree in math, and they're mathematicians, and they take a job as a data scientist. Yeah. Uh, and so... There's almost no connection between the titling as it exists in the academic world versus how it actually manifests itself. And I, you know, even in, in software engineering, you see universities now actually having degrees in software engineering as opposed to computer mm. science, right? Because what do you learn in computer science? You learn a lot of theory, right? You learn yep. compiler theory and hardware and digital electronics and da 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 da. Many things that will absolutely not make you a better software engineer. Right. Right. At this point, well, most know, most people don't need to know how a compiler works. Really? Well, but you're but you're, all those years I wrote my own compiler. But you're a computer right. scientist. Right. That's correct. <laughs> exactly. Good point. So for you, you, you need to know. I yeah. personally, I yeah. need yeah, to know. You need to know. I need. To. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, uh, what are the other terms being used? Data engineer. Yeah. I've heard. Data Is that an engineer who does data? I think that's a different sort of aspect of the pipeline, though. So that's they're all sort of encompassed in this larger pipeline of data in and some sort of insight information out, right? And so there are different steps in the process. And that's more of the, I feel like, the modern reinvention of the computer scientist. If you're not functioning as a developer, you're sort of writing scripts to munge data. Data munging is kind of the term. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the data science part is the is the newer aspect. Something I always wonder about is, because we've been talking about data sets a lot, and I think actually at the uh, previous seven CTOs conference we did, we did an exercise around kind of machine learning and AI and what data might you have that you could use. And I remember a lot of people coming to the conclusion that, oh, I don't have a large enough data set. We only have this for, you know, 10,000 customers or something, and that's not big enough. At what level, you know, do these, do you have to have, like how much data do you have to have before you can really do the machine learning stuff, you know, and pull out these insights? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the specifics of the data set, but just having, say, 10,000 records or something may be enough to, to get general sort of insight, to start getting insight from your from your customers and, and, and the data set itself. Um, as you, it, it depends really on the complexity of the problem. If you want to predict something complicated, then you need more data to do that. If you want to predict something that's a relatively robust relationship, then it doesn't require as much as much data to do so. The image I have in my head is that uh, whiteboard where you're scribbling everything and I, I and then we're going to do this and the formula that and then we're going to and then there's like a, oh shit but there's this one <laughs> thing we didn't capture that negates this whole freaking oh, artistic yeah. work on the whiteboard then what do you do start collecting it <laughs> <laughs> so, you get in your um, time machine I know you registered <laughs> yeah. as a user of my app but we need you to re-register <laughs> right. because we forgot to ask you your birth date yeah. Yeah. Well, you or uh, which birth date you identify with? 
I guess you just go collect it, though, right? I mean, you could, yeah. if, if for an example like that, you can go back and well, you go buy it, right? Or yeah. yeah, you can go to somebody else and append that piece of data that's missing, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you go with the level of prediction that you can at this time, and if you can infer that information through some other data that uh, may sort of speak to that same aspect, then then you use that as well. And you know, like I said, you're never going to have the perfect data set, so a crafty, really good data scientist is going to use the tools that they have in front of them and and get that insight. Yeah, but yeah, you bring in a really interesting point because. When you're thinking about building product with software, if you're missing data, you don't even think about, you don't even think a, a, a second time about, am I gonna go get this data, right? So when we built uh, Mint, and Mint doesn't work unless you go get financial transactions from banks. So what do we do? We go get the financial transactions from banks, right? right? Consented by the customer. And so when you think about data science, you have to think about it as the product. The data insight is a product the same way that the UI is a product. Yeah. And if you need some data to go, go build the product, go get the data. Do it the right way, get it with the customer's consent to make sure that you're you know, with maintaining privacy and security and all that fun stuff, but um, go get the data. I mean, that's, and that's part of the, the reference before of, am I a product company? Right. Am I a platform company? Am I a data company? Yes, all those Almost things. Almost always yeah. a data company. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you guys remember the first time that some app wowed you and there was data science behind it like the first time you did something and you were like how the hell did they know that this is the first time mm -hmm. i think the the advances in data science have been so gradual that we just sort of habituate to them right it's not like overnight we woke up and um we we have all the technology that we do now it's been the sort of drip uh Situation. So Google Images and stuff. Now I can put in a put in a word or something and get any image that has that object in it. So it's super easy. It gradually got better and better. And so we didn't wake up overnight with that. Um, so I think in that case, it was sort of habituated to it. And mm. um, I think where it sort of it, it's the type of question that they're answering or what they're doing and how it affects you personally. That is the ones that sort of stand out. Like with the with the ad prediction and stuff, when you were on this website two days ago and you were looking at this product and then now it's sitting there on this banner, like those are the things because it feels personal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it really sort of stands out mm -hmm. for me. And I'm still not sure if my Alexa is listening to oh, my conversations 100%. and like telling, well, I know they're listening to the conversations, but I don't know if it's sort of manipulating the ads that I'm seeing because there are some coincidences that come there. So I the think answer is the, yes. Yes. Uh, well, are you, you have something I want to say. There's something I want to say. Yeah. I had a verbal conversation with someone about the Impossible Burger, yep. the genetically engineered vegetarian hamburger, and there was a shit ton of hamburger oh, yeah. videos on my YouTube front yep. page. And I, I did not, maybe I did, but I don't think I did. Yeah. Give the Google God any clue that yeah. I was interested. I mean, I'm a, I'm a omnivert. Yeah. <laughs> and I like bit. that. Really, you have to yeah, tell yeah, me what that term means. Right? Yeah. Go to a previous episode. Oh, okay. Um, what is the thing where you eat plants and Omnivore. you eat animals? Omnivore. Omnivert. <laughs> no, I had the same thing happen. So I was at some event and I was talking to the Cox business guys. I've never seen an ad for Cox business ever. We're having a conversation about this topic and, and then bring it up in the context of Cox business. And literally the next day, Facebook is all covered with Cox Business ads. Weirdest thing ever. So I hate that. So strange. Mm -hmm. So yeah. from the from the data science side, it could be a couple different ways they got that information, right? They could have had some sort of geo-based information that you know you were near this place, and so we're going to serve mm. up information. Or it could have been they heard the conversation, and so I think that sort of really kind of makes it one one is yeah. less creepy we're sort of used to the geo thing at yeah. this point i think but listening to what you're but saying i'm going with the conversation because no, we're at like a random but i think this is location. a very yeah. important point because i think that this is what data science does the correlation between the different yeah. seemingly independent data points yeah. that pinpoints exactly the thing that you did last night yep. when really it was derived mm -hmm. i personally don't think that they're listening to us I don't know. I think they're listening to us. This ad, this was sponsored by Facebook. Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say the first time I had my magical moment with, with what I think was data science was Pandora. Oh, yeah. Because I couldn't believe that I could put in one yeah. artist and then boom, boom, boom. 
song after song. I think it got progressively worse. But back in the early days, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that to me was magic. Yeah, I think for me, now that you bring that up, I'm not sure if there was actually data science involved. Maybe it was like early data science. But when I first bought my TiVo, and TiVo had the thumbs up, thumbs down feature mm -hmm. with TV shows, and it would recommend other TV shows. And I was surprised how accurate it was. And that was 15 years ago. That is, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, the whole yeah. um, correlating what you've done yeah. to what others like you have done. Yes. Is that, that's, I mean, that at the core of yeah. data science, right? Is, I, mean, I think that's one part of it. You know, the other interesting part of it is that, um, and so now you get into why, why is Facebook a social network, right? Because you get into uh, data network theory, but there is a latent network behind data that actually of connections of people to other people and people mm -hmm. to companies. Mm -hmm. And the data science's ability to actually instantiate that network, I think is the big unmet thing in the world. Like imagine if you're driving by uh, your favorite ice cream place and then we send a targeted ad to your phone for a 50 cent coupon for that ice cream place. But that doesn't feel, I don't feel good about that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's in terms of, of what we're doing with data, this is the, the, the trial and if error. If they know, for instance, that I love chocolate peanut butter explosion. Yeah. Well, we know that from your transactions, right? right? It would be on the transaction. So they know I love chocolate <coughs> peanut butter explosion. Yeah. And you get a coupon for that? And I get a coupon. Are you going to pull in? Then Dude, then if I see that, I'm going to be like. in your car, puts yeah. the ad up, and I, says turn left now. I am in. Ooh, I am chocolate in. explosion. For yeah. instance, last night my wife and I had protein style in and out burgers that was the by best. the way it's amazing the best. Yeah. and i was thinking that if somehow they they, they obviously they know i got that they know if, probably if they correlate my card my visa card to because they don't have rewards or anything yeah. so if they match my visa with the, that purchase they could probably get more protein style burgers out of me it's possible you know the sad thing is i was actually um uh, I don't remember the exact context, but I was chatting with some uh, a data science leader at Google, and, and he, in fact, was also saying that, uh, and this is the business that Google is in, that it's almost a shame that we have so many amazingly smart people working in data science, and what they do is target ads at us. Yeah, pretty much. So sad. And, you know, I, I believe that the potential of data science, we haven't even seen it yet in terms of the true impact it can have on our lives. I mean, most of what we see now is either... Um, ads or like ice cream. It's like fun things, right? Like the fact that I can go to Google Photos and it's done facial recognition on my dog. And so I could click on the face of my dog and it will show me all the photos in Google Photos that have my dog in it. Is that the one you put up for adoption? Uh, never. Are you kidding? It is amazing. I saw that the other day for the first time. I'm in the gallery yeah. and it said, so I, uh, my wife and I recently had a baby and so we've taken a ton of baby pictures yeah. and it has a category now. It's like babies. And just picked all those out, right? Yeah. Just random category like that. Okay, that's interesting. So that's interesting. Does it really make my life better that I can find all the photos of my dog? No. But you can almost sense, you get this feeling, and certainly, I mean, I see what we're working on inside of Intuit, the impact that it actually will, will drive of making people's lives better because it provides you personal insight that you normally only get mm. if you go talk to an expert mm. human being. I think that's when it will become truly mainstream and and it, it it truly is butting heads with you know privacy security that governments are coming in right so it needs to be consent based it needs to be transparent it needs to be under the control of the customer it's not our data it's the customer's data right um but if they do consent oh my goodness the the kind of insights and, i mean and if, the, if, the, if the ghost in the machine suddenly sends me a push notification saying there's someone two buildings down that you really need to meet around your AWS issues. I mean, I'm going to be like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm going to punch in then. I mean, for me, it's that, that latent data network yeah. that you talked about. We're, I feel like we're all evolving to that sentient mm -hmm. moment where the data tells us what all what to do because without that data, we never would have even considered doing that. Yeah. And our lives are therefore better because yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, imagine some of just like the simplest moments, right? Like if we could project your cash flow and we know you're about to default 
on your checking account. I told you you shouldn't tell people. That. Sorry. <laughs> I know someone who shall remain unnamed. I think he's about a computer to scientist. And what if, that's right. And he's a computer scientist. I won't say anything more. What if we automatically went and got you a bridge loan, put it into your bank yeah. account, and then, you then you get paid and then automatically pays it back instead of you having to pay you know, a hundred dollar yeah. penalty. We are absolutely, I mean, and we we're in the to age of, to that. Absolutely. Like that, we could be doing that right now. I'm sure somebody could. If you could just put it, instead of putting it in my bank, yeah. put it under my pillow. <laughs> put, put it in your <laughs> offshore bank. So here's one thing that's weird that I was thinking about though. When everybody has access to the data, right? And, and we're all getting these same decisions. When it's personalized, it's good. But let's say it's, I want to trade stocks and I want the best stock portfolio. Okay, so there's some AI out there that's making that decision, and we're all now buying and selling the same stocks based on the same data at the same time. Well, like, what happens then? Exactly. You know? Yeah, that, that's the feeling you get when you're following Google Maps's directions, right? Or Waze, yeah. when it says, yeah. hey, take this detour. Aren't Everybody. You giving, aren't you giving this to a million people? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> actually, How is that helping yeah. me? I've, you actually see that, oh, right? Absolutely. I mean, on the freeway, the, yeah. the, the, the exit. It's <laughs> crazy. Listen, uh, we've had way too much fun. Chris. Anything else that we need to know about this meetup? Is it is it open or closed? Uh, invite only? It's open. Yeah, yeah. We usually start it. So competitions usually last about two months, and then we'll have it open for about a month, the first month, for people to come in and start participating, and then after that, we'll close it for a month. I love it. Because we'll switch to teams and then start competing. So I love yeah. it. I, I work with a lot of junior engineers, and my biggest uh, challenge there isn't to teach them or help them with their code, it's to build up their confidence mm -hmm. around that taxonomy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that work that you're doing is insane. Yeah. So we'll post mm -hmm. some contact details around that. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Alex, Robert, yeah, Chris. Yeah, thank you. It's great. Cheers. Cheers. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hi, thank you for listening to the CTO Studio. If you don't mind, take a quick second and please rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. Go to thectostudio.com for more information on what we're doing at 7CTOs. We also have a video or two for you that could be a helpful resource for you as you're managing your company. So thank you for listening.